Welcome to the River City 360 Road Trip. This week's destination is the Naval Museum of Manitoba. Let's take a look around. Welcome to River City 360. We're here on a road trip to the Naval Museum of Manitoba, and I'm here with Claude Rivard. Claude, thank you so much for uh, for joining us and for the tour today. It's my pleasure. So we're going to take a look at some of the uh, some of the interesting historical artifacts and and models and displays that are here at the museum. But I'm wondering if you can set the stage for us a little bit and tell us a little bit about the history of the Naval Museum of Manitoba and and why it's so important to the province. The Naval Museum of Manitoba actually came into existence in uh, uh, 1980 at the 75th anniversary of the Royal Canadian Navy, where a lot of sailors actually had a big reunion here. These people wanted to uh, know what they could do with their artifacts and stuff they had during the naval uh, or the Battle of the Atlantic and when they served on board these ships. So the commanding officer of the day, uh, Commander Chris Thane and Petty Officer Shortridge ended up uh, establishing the Naval Museum of Manitoba uh, and establish our prime mandate, which is to preserve the, na- uh, the history of the Navy as it relates to Manitoba and this Naval Reserve Unit at HMCS Chippewa. So tell us a little bit about what we're seeing here, because we've got some some really cool model replicas of some of the some of the ships here, and also uh, some of the I understand the actual bells that came from some of the ships. Tell us a little bit about what we're seeing here. Well, the models that you see here basically depict a model of the ship named after a town, river, or First Nations in Manitoba. As an example, uh, HMCS Assiniboine 1 and HMCS Assiniboine 2, named obviously after the Assiniboine River. Uh, The size of the ships that we see here start from a 105-foot towing vessel, HMCS Darewood, right on up to HMCS Winnipeg, which is about 440 feet. The bells that you see on display here primarily are from the ships as much as we can obtain the original bells. Uh, There are some traditions that go along with the bells too, including the fact that if you're a serving crew member on board a Canadian naval vessel or a Commonwealth, uh, and I believe they do it in the United States Navy too, is that uh, serving crew members' children can be baptized or christened on board the ship. What they do is they take the bell and invert it and use it as a baptismal font, and that child's name is then engraved on the bell. So it's pretty much there for a long time. As we walked through the museum, we saw cap tallies that were sent in from different ships, uniforms, and a model of a naval radio station in Churchill. The building is still standing today, even though it was technically closed in 1968. It survived the base itself, because the base was closed in 1983. But the building is still up there, and uh, it's about halfway between the town and the airport. So what was the broadcast range of that station? Well, it basically wasn't really so much for broadcasting as it was for listening. Ah. It actually had quite an antenna array, and what they did is they picked up on a lot of communications that were coming out of Russia and some uh, Iron Curtain countries. The technology was changing so fast in those days that by 1968 it really wasn't needed anymore. We then moved on to an area dedicated to the convoy system. Claude explained that it was instrumental in helping get supplies to Great Britain, as 600 tons a day of food and munitions were needed. What you see here on display is the submarine, which was the Hunter, and then the Three Island Tramp Steamer, which was the Hunted, 
And then we have the uh, escort vessel, which is up at the top, which is a flower glass Corvette. We have some weapons here. Uh, we have fi- water-cooled 50 caliber machine guns, mm-hmm. air-cooled 50 caliber machine guns. Ours were primarily water-cooled on board ship, and they were usually mounted in pairs. The other weapon that you see in here on the deck, it's called a two-pounder is its true name, but uh, fondly remembered by a lot of the people who served on Corvettes. They were fondly called a pom-pom. And the pom-pom, essentially, when they came around and they got the nickname that way because of the cone on the end of the barrel, which would deliver an echo every time it was fired, it would go boom, boom, boom. And then we have a Carly float, which is, I guess for lack of a better term, a very glorified life raft. And we can see some World War II rations inside there. Oh, yes, my favorite. A lot of sugar, a lot of chocolate, very high energy. We also saw models of motor torpedo boats that served in the English Channel during the war. The uh, 29th Motor Flotilla was comprised of little motor torpedo boats that were 72 feet in length, uh, carried two torpedo tubes, 40 millimeter mounts as weapons, and their prime function was to lay in wait in the English Channel uh, off the coast of France at night for enemy uh, in sailings, uh, whether it was e-boats, destroyers. As soon as they would hear them, they would start their engines up and they would go after these guys. It was hit and miss. Unfortunately, the 29th Motor Flotilla came to uh, an abrupt end in Ostend, Belgium. Uh, they were refueling to go out for the evening for their evening fun with the enemy when uh, somebody threw a match over the side and uh, literally the uh, harbor in Austin went up in flames and uh, there was only one boat that actually did survive. The museum also includes a section dedicated to the Women's Royal Canadian Naval Service or the Wrens. The establishment of the Wrens came about in 1942 as a relief for the men that were doing administrative jobs. Women didn't go and fight wars in those days like they do today. So basically the Wrens were incorporated into taking over a lot of those uh, uh, administrative positions after the war up until 1968 when they amalgamated the uh, the Wrens as part of the regular contingent of Canadian forces. As our tour wound down, I asked Claude about how the Naval Museum of Manitoba operates and how visitors can check out the museum for themselves. Strictly volunteers. Uh, we don't have no paid staff in here. We're only open on Wednesdays from 9 till 3. With the exception of summer, we're open in July and August on Sundays from 1 till 4. And we have our website that if somebody can't make it within those hours but is going to be in town and they want to request a visit to the museum, we will make an appointment to come and open a museum for them to see. We have people coming in here through the summer all the time, so it's it's not something that we don't do. My prime factor is just to get this known to pretty much every place in Canada. I mean, we're one of five naval museums across the country. So, And the Naval Museum of Manitoba is located at One Navy Way at the corner of Navy Way and Assiniboine Avenue at the foot of the Midtown Bridge. As you're coming and you're going north on Smith Street, you will have a look over on your right-hand side and see a big beige stone building. That's HMCS Chippewa, the Naval Reserve Unit, and we are part of that unit in here. So welcome. Come in and pay us a visit. There's no admission charge. It's free, but we are glad to accept any kind of donation you want to leave behind. Thank you so much, Claude, for speaking with us today and for showing us all these incredible collections here from Manitoba's naval history. It is my pleasure.
thanks for coming on the RC360 road trip. See you next week, same time, different place. It's a road again, like a